We're gonna call this episode 17 and a half. Yeah. Welcome to No Instructions. I'm Bob. And I'm Josh. And we're we shouldn't be defeated. It's been multiple days. I'm not defeated. I'm just I was really uh, proud and impacted by what we talked about. So it's by no means a defeat. Hmm. I just wish we could have shared. Yeah. What we what we had with everyone. <laughs> what we have. All right. So here's what happened. Earlier in the week, um, we'll talk about what we're making in just a second. Earlier in the week, we recorded like we normally do, mm-hmm. and we talked yep. about friends, and we talked, and we talked, and it was going for a really long time, and it got deep. Yep. And then I looked over at the computer right there, and I was like, there's a pop-up that says that the hard drive dropped. Oh, no. And so I went over, and I was like, well, I'll just save what we have. Mm-hmm. This, the recording of the audio and the video to the local drive, and I hit record, and they disappeared. And we lost the audio, and we lost the video. Hooray, guitar band. <laughs> or garage band. Garage, guitar band. <clears throat> so we're back to starting from zero. But we, we did. I got a bag here. Yeah, so do I. I got a new set, so I'm going to dump this bag. All right. Yeah, let's dump this bag. We, we talked about stuff. Oh, wait, that's not the right one. <laughs> And we talked about friendship, and I don't know. How do you want to do this? You want to you want to go back through some of it? We could try to recap, or just like you know, last, re- recreate well, not, it. No, no, yeah. no, no, not one for one. But last we spoke, we were going to go run a marathon or a half marathon. Oh yeah, that's right. We talked about the marathon. Right? Uh, there was. <laughs> right, hang on, let me dump this up. Yeah, me too. So before we speak, I'm starting a new set. Bob's still working on the ghost. Yep. Voltron is all done. Back on the ghost. I am working on the Scout Trooper and Speeder Bike. It's set 75532. That's one I've almost purchased multiple times. Well, this one is kind of special. Hmm. Never seen that piece before. Because this is what I bought from uh, Toys R Us that was going out of business. Aww. Yep. We drove down to Nashville. Actually, we drove down to Nashville when we went to Maker Fair because my wife and I, oh, Maker Fair right. in California. Yeah. My wife and I left out of Nashville. On our way down there, we stopped in Bowling Green for some food. And right next to the place we were eating was the sad remains of a Toys R Us. And we went in and this was discounted like 40%. Which is pretty awesome. Yep. Because it's not cheap. So thank you, Jeffrey the Giraffe. You know, Speaking of, pour one out for you later. Did you hear that they're bringing it back? I've heard loose things about uh, like KB Toys or something tried to buy. Them no, out no, 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 no. It's coming. It's already been rebranded. Jeffrey's Toy Box. Oh, really? Yeah, it's coming back. I don't know if it's going to be permanent stores, seasonal stores. Yeah. It's a little voodoo doll, piece. <laughs> a little skeleton. Huh. Yeah, they're apparently starting over. Yeah. I don't know what the capacity is or how permanent it is, but it's called Jeffrey's Toy Box. Will they have a giraffe? Yeah, so the logo is Jeffrey hmm. with the toy box. Interesting. So that makes sense. wonder why they couldn't... I mean, if they own it now, why couldn't they call it what they want to call it? I don't know. I mean, maybe they... Maybe it's just a like a, this is a new thing. We're going to call it new thing. Oh. I don't know. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> so, we ran a half marathon. We did. You ran it, obviously... Or not obviously, but you ran it much faster than I did. Um, but yeah, we did. How was, how was your run? Mine was good. Uh, it was chilly starting out, but the weather was perfect after, you know, half mile or so my body warmed up. 
Uh, I really enjoyed the run. It was out in the middle of nowhere, a lot of country roads and rolling hills. And I know Jenny didn't really like that about it, but I, I did. I enjoyed it. And I had a good run. I j almost, almost hit the pace I was going for. I found out after the fact that I was a little slow. But it was still good, and I was comfortable. And so, yeah, it was good. Well, I, up till I think like the 10 mile mark, I was way ahead, not way, but I was ahead of my pace. Mm -hmm. I was really excited. Jenny and I kind of ran together. Um, I, I mean, yeah, it was part of, it was the, the absolute rural part of town. So it was kind of boring. Like there's some really nice parts of town and we didn't run anywhere near those. <laughs> <laughs> not that where we ran was bad. It wasn't it was bad, it was sparse. Boring. Yeah. But... Um, what did you listen to? I listened to No Dumb Questions. I listened to like one and a half-ish episodes. Maybe like the rest of an episode I had started and a full episode of No Dumb Questions hmm. with Matt and Destin. Which will lead into kind of what we were talking about. Because during the run, uh, I was challenged. Uh, they talked about friendship. Mm -hmm. And specifically, they answered a question about how do you maintain or how do you get a friendship like the one that Matt and Destin have on that show as an adult. And if you've never heard that show, you really need to go listen to it because it's really good and they have a fantastic chemistry together, mm -hmm. the two of them. They're just different enough to politely disagree on certain things, but they, it's a really good kind of yin and yang, or not even that. Like, they have a really good rapport back and forth. And Interestingly enough, I found out that it's called yin and yang, Actually, it's one word, yin-yang. There's no and in it. I learned that from what I listened to while I was running the half marathon, Whoa. which had Destin on it. Whoa. Anyway. Mind meld. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they were talking about friendship, and they were talking about, like, how do you maintain and how do you, or really, how do you gain and how do you maintain friends? If I went back and thought about, like, my childhood friends and the people that I consider friends now, mm -hmm. and, like, am I doing what I should be doing to maintain those friendships? And the answer was a resounding no. <laughs> because, I don't know, I'm, I'm a weird person where I, I categorize things a lot. And it made me feel selfish and kind of shallow as I was running. What do you mean? That like, so it was like, okay, well, do you call these people? Or do you actively make an attempt to maintain that friendship? Do you go to the places, like physically go to the places with them to strengthen those bonds? Do you surround yourself with people that kind of lift you up and make you better? And I went through like the list of people that I know or the people that I have made like really strong bonds with. And I go, why don't I talk to that person anymore? Hmm. Or besides friends, like I even went deeper into family because I was running next to your wife and we would be running back to you know, my wife and your kids and if your mom and dad were in town, they would be there. Absolutely. Your brother and your sister and all your extended family are all here. Um, and so I went back to my family, which is, is we're, we're scattered. My father was in the military. My brother joined the Navy. My sister has moved away. And so I'm like, well, why don't I talk to those people more? Like, why don't I put forth that effort? And yeah. <clears throat> it made me feel really bad. But then I went, well... Not not my immediate family, but I was thinking about, like, cousins and people that we used to go see when I was a kid. And I'm like, do I even really associate them as family? Or is this people that my mom made me go see? Hmm. 
Because there's people that I have met in my life that I consider friends. And I'm like, that person is immediately higher than like 85% of the people that are blood relatives right. to me. Yeah. Because, and, and I guess I say I feel shallow because I'm like, well, those people that are obscure relatives don't bring me any value. I'm like, well, hmm. that makes you sound really cold hearted. Um, yeah, but I mean, okay. So we have a thing in our family our immediate family where, um, we have a bunch of people that will spend time here and spend the night and come over and like when they pass through town or whatever. And our kids will always go like, are we related to so-and-so? Mm-hmm. Are we related to Casey? And Jenny always says they're friends that are like family. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of people that we treat as close as what you would think you typically treat your family. But then at the same time, there's a tons of people in the world who are estranged, whether intentionally or not, from different parts of their family. And I don't know, like, I think we get into this thing where we're like, well, we have blood, so we have to have a relationship. We have to figure out how to be a family. And I mean, that's a, I, that's fine, but you don't have to. And at the same time, you end up being friends with people. You have to be family with somebody. You end up being friends with people because you have a shared experience or you Mm -hmm. have something in common. You have a thing that not forces you, that connects you, that gets you to be together. Whereas blood, you just at some point have to be together. And I think that's the piece of me that as I was running, I'm like, are you a psychopath? Do you just not care? And there's a part of me that's like, you should want to, or you should feel bad about this, or you should feel differently. Hmm. And so it went from friends into family. And there was this list of people that I kind of came up with. I'm like, I need to call that person because I want to, and I feel compelled to. It right. wasn't the psychopath thing. Like you should try to reciprocate the feelings that <laughs> be other a people human. have. Be a human. Some of them were, but the ones that I got, that, that I guess pricked my heart the most were like, you you care about this person, yeah. right? Right. I'm like, yeah, I do. I'm like, well, then why don't you do anything about it? Hmm. Like, do they know that you're running a half marathon right now? Do you know what they're doing? Hmm. And my sister came to mind. So my sister is seven years younger than I am. And she lives in, in Florida. And she's been living with a guy who, sh- <laughs> who ironically shares my last name but spells it differently. <laughs> And that is the thing I thought was hilarious. And so I don't know his first name. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> and they've been together for a long time. And I'm like, dude, that's horrible of you. Like, his name is... I don't know. <laughs> but I know his last name because it's a weird conversation uh, piece. And I'm like, that's not a good starting point. Like, you should maybe try a little harder than that's that. That's pretty funny. And so, yeah, I made this list of people that... Like, this is not my wife going, you need to call your grandmother. You need to call your so-and-so. Yeah, I'm like, these right. are people that I legitimately want to know how they're doing. And you raised a point when we spoke last mm-hmm. about how to kind of do that because I'm the kind of person that's like, well, I don't really have anything to talk about. I don't remember what I said. <laughs> you said to call them and purposely say, like, I don't have oh, anything oh, to yeah, talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because I have a friend who calls and says, I have, like... 10 minutes in the car. I don't have anything to talk about what's going on. And I'm like, no, nah, nothing. And we'll, we'll just chat about what I'm doing or what, you know, what he's up to or whatever for a little bit. And he's like, all right, cool. I, I, I didn't have anything. Got to go. I'm at the drive through or whatever. And we're like, Oh, cool. Talk to you later. 
and it, it is definitely a touch point thing more than a, a value thing. It's just, you know, in the darkness, you reach out to make sure that your kids are still next to you. You just touch them. Okay, everything's okay. That's all I needed to know. Now that we can go back to sleep or whatever, you know, I mean, whatever the example is. But, and I, I think it's, it's maybe weird to do that because people don't expect it. Especially like from a guy to a guy, there's that yep. weird thing like I need to have a reason to call you or whatever. But at the same time, like if you call and you lay out, I don't have anything to talk about. I was just thinking about you. There's like there's a lot of meaning there in that. And I ha- and I said last time when we were talking about this that I have a friend that um, I think about constantly. Like every day, I just think, man, like I wonder how he's doing. Like I wonder. Last time we talked, he had stuff going on at work, and I'm like. I just need to call him and ask what's up. Like, how'd that stuff turn out? You know, I need to ask that. Yeah. And for some reason, I just never make the time to do it. I don't want to say that I don't have the time to do it. I don't make the time to set aside five minutes to call and be like, I have five minutes, but I just wanted to check on you. Yep. And that's totally on me. I just need to do that. And part of me with that is like well they're grown-ups like they're in charge of their life they don't need me to check up on them right or like when people would call there's the there's the people that i know that are so ingrained in their work that any conversation always led to work or yeah um when we spoke last we're talking about trying to make friends and i said that when i was in the army tiffany would set me up on these mandates oh yeah (laughs) because she would have friends from college and she wanted the four of us are two couples to, you know, be friends together. And so she set me up with this one husband of her friend and it was really awkward and I didn't really do well. But now that I think about, I I think back to the people I had, I was friends with and I'll, I'll use that term because I don't really know what else to, to call it. Like acquaintances in the military. Maybe let's do like a level one friend is like, we are best like top tier, top tier. Okay. Okay. So let's do levels. Are so they the best friend? Number one is the best friend you can get. So in down singular position. Uh, no, 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 no. That's okay. a level. Okay. You can have 10 of them or Got whatever, it. but you know, the bigger the number, the like more towards acquaintance land. Okay. You go just as a point of reference. Continue. Okay. <laughs> but I thought back to those people because in the podcast, Destin mentioned specifically <clears throat> like people in the military having these super strong friendships. Like, mm. he was like, you're in a helicopter and you fly across the country again. You form all these so strong because it's, you know, based in trust and all this. And, and I remember thinking, I'm like, well, that's, it's different. Like, have you seen Speed? Can't yeah. Reason oh, yeah. yeah, of course. And so at the end, when she was like, relationships based on high stress situations yeah, yeah, yeah. never work. Yeah. Like, it's a relationship based in a high stress situation. Mm. So you form this bond with people. That depending on the individual could be lifelong, absolutely lifelong. But it's so deep rooted in this one kind of context that everything seems to revert back to that context right. and that experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people, they don't want to keep reverting back to combat experiences or things like that can be really traumatic for a lot of people. Yeah. And so there's uh, the list of people I was running through at mile like nine because <laughs> I just I was thinking about this the entire run. And I was like, I don't want to talk to that person because it's going to go back to that and that alone. Like That's interesting. It's a very deep but very, very narrow uh, set of uh, experiences or like relationship foundation is 
it's very linear, mm-hmm. but it's very deep. And so there's not a lot of there's not a lot else outside of that. Yeah. It's like, oh, you remember that one time? Or like, oh, remember that time we did this? Remember that time we played a joke on whoever? I'm like, yeah, like that's what we talked about last time. The end. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, basically, I, I it's a different situation, but that's basically why I have no interest in going to a high school reunion. Mm-hmm. I don't talk to any of those people, and the only mm-hmm. thing that we have to talk about is either what we've been doing over the last 20-some-odd years. That's the big conversation. Or we talk about high school. I didn't yep. really like high school. Yep. I don't really want to go talk about high school. Nothing against those people. I just, like, that's not... not either. Yeah. So I'm with you there. It's, it's tough when you only have a single thread of continuity with somebody. Mm-hmm. And that's the only thing. And I think, honestly, that's why those touch points are important. Yeah. You can't do that with everybody. But, like, my friends from college... Uh, there's a whole group of people that I spent time with and I love those people and they're great, but I don't stay in touch with most of them enough to have any conversational points between college and now. There's Mm -hmm. a few of them I do, but if I had made a little bit of time with some of them to have a touch point every year, then it would be like, well, I know that you had kids. Yeah. I don't know that if they did or not, you know, or I don't know much about the kids if I know, but if I had made those little touch points along the way, having an actual conversation about the present would not be as hard, I don't think. Yep. So it is kind of like a putting in a little bit of work along the way to save on work later, I guess, if you want to look at it like that. But I mean, it's staying interested. It's, it's exercise. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, if you want to continue to be good at something, you have to put in the work to do it. And it's the same thing. Like, I don't want to look around and go like, well... My friends are only the people who were immediately near me in my circle of influence. Mm-hmm. So if if best friends, right, like you talk about like tier one, then there could be like work friends or like I'm going back to the Flight of Concords <laughs> friendship chart. If you know anything about that, I'll link it in the show notes. But then there's like work acquaintances where there's people that you are kind of forced to be around. You kind of have some shared things. You get along with that person. But sometimes it doesn't leave kind of the boundaries of work, or it may, but it's always put into that kind of context. Yeah. And that's where, like, my military friends were. And every once in a while, somebody, again, it makes it sound like I'm some gatekeeper, but, like, would break free of that. (laughs) I'm like, oh, you have something that's not always talking about the Army or the military. Yeah. Like, such and such is that person or, or, you know, your aspirations in that environment. Like, there's got to be something else we can talk about. And when the the recording last week messed up, I was like, okay, I, I challenged the two of us to actually put this into practice and then talk about how it was put into practice. And so I called my one friend, my friend Chris. <laughs> it sounds really sad. It was. I, well, I, called, I have one friend. I, I, called, I called, okay, I called my friend Chris yeah. and I called my sister. Cool. And... I, I know Chris, like we've hung out, our families have hung out probably not every year, but every so often, like we've made more of a conscious effort with their family than a, almost any other one. Hmm. But then I realized I hadn't talked to him in a while because he's still in the military. He travels a lot. And so I use that as a crutch Yeah, where it's like, I don't know what he's up to, or I don't know where in the world he is. So I don't want to bother him, which is lazy. It's, it's a lazy way. It's like, oh, it's, it's kind of cloudy outside i can't go for a run or like, eh. <laughs> it's, and i'm like no like i don't know that i'm assuming yeah and i'm pretty sure if i called him 
I would find it out. <laughs> you would have all the information. You answer need. the phone, yeah. or I can revert back to the thing you're saying. I'm like, look, I don't have a whole lot to talk about. I just I value our friendship enough to just want to say hey. Yeah. And it's weird for me to do it, and it may not be weird for them to receive it, but it, it would start a conversation. Yeah. There was stuff going on in his life that he really needed, like a friend hmm. at that moment. And that's, it was really awesome. deep, and it was stuff that it was you know stuff that I had experienced before. So it was way more than a like, hey, how's the kids? Good. How's right. work? Yeah. Good. Well, all right. Like, it was real. Hmm. And I benefited from it. And I hope that he did. But if he didn't, then, you know, you know it's, it's not all about him. It's about me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's the way that you're <laughs> supposed to say that. Works, right? I don't think so. Well, that, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, that's good to hear. I did not follow up on it. <clears throat> it was two days ago. But, no, I didn't. And we had a guest last night. I actually did think about it last night, and I was like, well, we have somebody in the house. I'd rather not be rude to the person that's actually here. That's Winston. Considerate. Winston Moy was here. Mm -hmm. Came through town on his trip and hey. hung out. Hey, Winston. Thanks for coming. He's a cool guy. I, know, I mean, I've known him for a while, but he's a cool guy. Um, oh, I had a thing from what you were saying, and now I don't know what it was. Uh, let's see. You were talking about calling the guy. You talked about mm -hmm. the, ah, mm -hmm. I don't know. Family? Families. Family with the, huh. Riveting podcasting. I don't know. I don't know what I was going to say. Oh, there's a spider on the table. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah. So I, the friendship thing, I don't know. I mean, it's like, it, it is, it is work. But all relationships are work. <clears throat> I think as we get older, and well, I'll speak for myself, as we get older, I, I am more um, okay with not, I mean, I've always been okay with not having a bunch of friends. But as we get older, I'm more okay with letting that circle of people that I'm connected to get smaller and smaller because I want to get, maybe not because, and I want to, the people that I'm in touch with the most, my wife and my kids, I want to get closer and closer to them. And if you try to maintain a million, million things, you don't do any of them well. <clears throat> However, that is not a good excuse for me not at least having touch points with people that I do care about and I do care about what they're doing and um, especially if I can like be of service to them in some some way, mm -hmm. you know. And But like you said, with that guy, like you don't know if you can be of service to someone unless you ask them <laughs> yep. find out what's going on find out what they need so yeah it's, it's definitely something I need to be better with not not with a bunch of people but with a few people agreed yeah because talking to my wife and I mean Jenny's the same way Tiffany and Jenny are just social butterflies mm -hmm. and when reviewing like going back to this chart you're talking about like their their top tier is super dense because that yeah. touch point Rather than it being like, uh, like oh, I just, I just wanted to see how you're doing, could be like our touch point is an hour-long conversation, which it very well could be. But she has that with so many people where she could pick it up and have that hour-long conversation. Yeah. I'm like, well, I could do that with very few people. Yeah. And she, she admits that like her relationships are strong and... But they're, I don't, I don't know how to say this. 
her relationships are deeper than my relationships because again, I go back to that psychopath thing where I'm like, oh, that's just a person I knew. When she will make the effort while that person is there to form a relationship rather than trying to maintain it later. Her huh. initial grunt work is way deeper in getting to know somebody than mine just like, oh yeah, I was near that person yeah. for a little while situationally or like proximity wise, like I just, I stood there and didn't do anything where she will like introduce herself openly start a conversation about meaningful things to where I'm far more reserved and it takes a little while for yeah, me yeah. to I mean don't you think that, that we point? I don't know maybe as men or just as the two of us have our guard up a lot more that we don't want to be exposed a little bit more and versus our wives who are willing to accept and take in and open up to just about anybody Yeah like I don't want to I don't mean that in a negative way. Right. I don't want to say that as a fault. And I don't ever want to categorize like the nature of like it's a man thing because I don't know. It's always been something to me that my thoughts and feelings and stuff are my own. And I don't want to bother other people with the stuff that I've got going on or the stuff that I think. That sounds like your dad. I've heard you you say that before. Because that's how that goes is you handle your business. uh, And, you know, that's that's about it. Yeah. Right. And. I had never really talked to my dad until my mom died. And then I talked to my dad. I could talk to my dad for like an hour. Right. So the amount of time I have spoken to him as an adult in this situation is probably way more than any other time I've spoken to him beforehand. And so hmm. being able to just open up like, oh, hey, how are you doing? My name is Josh. What's going on? What's your thoughts and fears? Like those things don't happen. Yeah. And so when we would go to church or go to these really intimate kind of groups together uh, as a couple, she drives that train. Right. She initiates the the dates with other people <laughs> because I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm good. I don't need to know that person. She's yeah. like, well, what if that person's cool? I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure a lot of people think they're cool. Like, that's good for them. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that kind of makes it sound like you're actively not wanting to add people to your life. Is that the case or is it that you are indifferent? I don't think either one of those things is bad. No. I'm just curious because some people actively don't want any more, you know, connection. Mm-hmm. They don't want any more relationship. Some people don't care either way. I don't know. Uh, I find it difficult to, to not really difficult. How do I say this? I find the opportunities to be around someone long enough to actually form that strong bond mm-hmm. as an adult are fewer. And... That may be circumstantial. That may be how you interact with the community around you. Um, which since we moved here to Kentucky, like the community of people has been amazing. I found more opportunities to do that here because we chose to be more plugged in and more connected in other places. So it's really mm-hmm. like you can't complain about there not being enough people to be friends with or find those opportunities if you don't go out and try to find them. Right. There's nobody else in my house. What's wrong with yeah, that? Yeah, right? <laughs> my kids are only so cool. <laughs> So yeah. a lot of that is me, and it's not intentional. Like I don't want to like be friends with people. It's just I don't know. It's hard for me, yeah. and I don't want to be mean to someone when I meet them. In the fact, like, like we're we're not going to be friends. Yeah, let's let's not even yeah, do this. Let's not like, even skip the small pretend. talk. Right? Like, hi, you have a lovely home, but this isn't happening. <laughs> Which is <laughs> happening in my head. Right. Which yeah. that psychopath part yeah. of me was like, oh, hey, and you shake their hand and then they say 10 words. I'm like, mm-mm. Hmm. Okay, well, to riff on that, 
What are, I know this exists for you because it does for me. What are some examples, maybe without names, where you've thought that your initial reaction has been like, nope, this is not happening. We're not going to get along. We're not going to have a relationship. We're not nothing, nothing. And then you end up being friends with them. You find out something or, you know, you were wrong. Do you have anything like that? <clears throat> well, that is deep because I would have to first admit that I was wrong. Admit that you're wrong. Get it out of the way. And that, that in that context is hard because you can't really admit that you're wrong. Because if you... Uh, unfairly write somebody off you don't often circle back around and go you know what try again hmm. it's like no i don't i don't want to go do that if only if anything it just reiterates my stance it like i i don't want to be friends with that person hmm i think i have had a lot of situations where i've unfairly assumed that someone was a certain way or was going to relate to me in a certain way or we didn't have anything in common or um okay well here's an example we were in a small group in savannah for a long time it's through our church it was a group of couples that would get together and spend time together and talk about all sorts of stuff and the first couple of times i went to this group there were like i don't know maybe i don't really remember specifics but maybe three guys that i knew like, I would actually call, let's go to a movie, whatever. Mm -hmm. And the rest of these 10 or whatever guys were people that like, oh, well, he's really into football. We're probably not going to, like, have anything to talk about. <laughs> he's really into hunting. We're not going to have anything to talk about. Stuff like that, you know, mm -hmm. where I just assume, like, we don't have a commonality that I, that I do have with these three guys, right? So, like, we have, we talk about music or we talk about design or we talk about whatever the thing is. Right. Those guys over there, we don't have any of that, so... There's, like, why try, right? Yeah. Totally wrong on almost every one of those people. Uh, because it turns out that the things that we did have in common, maybe over time, ended up being way more important than music or design or hunting or football. Their parents. You know, their sons, their husbands. Yeah. And there's a bunch of stuff there that I just gloss over because there are millions and millions of husbands and sons and parents. But um, I don't know. We get it. I got exposed to a lot of like deeper conversations and questions and stuff and struggles around those things that were super personal to me, way more personal than music or all that other stuff. And that wasn't because I gave them another chance. That wasn't because I said like, all right, let's see if we can be friends. It was just like. We're in these situations talking about these things, and you just end up finding common ground. That's not really something you can force. It's just an example of I immediately wrote off a bunch of potential friendships. Yeah. And none of those friendships really turned into, like, super deep, long-term, you know, tier one people. Mm -hmm. But they're good people that I would happily help or be in their life. Or, yes. You know what I mean? That, They're people I would call friends, and if I saw them across the street, I would not duck away. I would actively look and be like, hey, it's good to see you. you know. And th there's a difference between like, hey, I know that person. They're not right. awful, but I'm going to duck away and still not talk to them. Yeah. So. When we were in Alabama, um, I had just gotten out of the military. And no, like they're good friends, and they're on that list of people that I didn't write them off. Man, I'm trying to think <laughs> of the people that I have written off. And going like, nope. Hmm. I mean, that's hard because you also don't like remember 
Remember that one time I decided not to get to know that guy and then never got to know him? <laughs> you know, I mean, you don't. Well, I mean, this brings up a point that maybe I should, I should stop being so pompous and arrogant to think like, no, they can't be my friend or I don't want to be their friend. That's, I, that's part of it. And yeah. it has, it's not necessarily a judgment on them. It's just. No, it's completely me. Yeah. But it's, well, it's based on their behavior and actions and mannerisms. So it is kind of their fault. <laughs> <laughs> that's not how that works. I know that's not how that goes. Where's his head? <laughs> I'm missing this guy's head. But That's why it was on sale. <laughs> Way to go, Jeffrey. <laughs> Are you really missing his head? I don't know where his head is. It says it's in the box. I don't know if it's a, Oh, there's another bag. It's yeah. It's bag. Well, it's not in that bag either. So, uh, oh. for anybody listening, this is not the conversation we had the other day. <laughs> no, this is deeper. Yeah. Different. Um, Different. But it, it did make me think of the people that I care about. And it didn't make me think of the people that I don't care about. Didn't it make didn't think of the people strengthen my, like, curmudgeon, cold heart toward people. It made me realize that... I was not being as warm and as as involved and as good of a friend to the people that are already in mm, that I see what tier. you're saying. I got you. So it didn't make me look upon somebody and go, no. I should have. Totally still yeah, hate yeah. that guy. Gotcha. <laughs> should, should mail him something terrible. A bag of poop. That's happened before. You got mailed a bag of poop? A really good friend of ours mailed us a dog turd, dried out. Yummy. Yeah, it was really funny mm. and gross. Anyway, go ahead. But then, yeah, it's it's been deep because it's it's my hang-up. And that never was a part of me, like I think that my wife would say, is it like, well, that phone works both ways. Why didn't they call me? That never came up in, in my thought process hmm. because I automatically assume that it's my cold-hearted nature that has just been ignoring people. And if they're busy in life... They, they, I don't think I would call somebody and go, Hey man, I'm busy. How are you? Like <laughs> I, you don't start with that. <laughs> yeah. You find that out about people through caring conversations. Right. You, you don't just go through your contacts list and start with all just wanted the to let you know I'm busy. Life. Yeah. Like something terrible is happening. <laughs> but then my wife has a group of friends that that's what they do. They share each other's woes and they're like a support group that she knows if something bad is happening and she needs to talk to somebody about something really deep, she has a massive list of genuine, loving, supportive people. Right. And I went, am I on that list for anybody else? Mm. I went, mm, maybe. Hmm. Maybe in some contexts. That was awesome. No one saw that but me. That spider that was on the table totally just jumped in your glass of water. Oh, man. It jumped in your cup of water. If you're watching the video version of this, Ew. you can see it in my water, my full glass of water. That's his glass of water. That's yeah. his swimming pool. You okay. just jumped. Huh. <laughs> Why'd you do that? I was making a point, you stupid arachnid. Go away. Yeah. Ruin my water. Anyway. But that started to kind of, like, that got to me, too. Not yeah. that it's like, oh, I should be someone's superhero, an emotional buddy. But I, I wondered, am I bringing enough value to this alleged friendship that I'm, I'm having with any of these people that I'm thinking about that they would that they would need or want my help? And in these cases of the, like, the very close friends, yes. And I've been able to act on those, and they've been able to reciprocate that. But it was the ones for, like, for family. I'm like, 
I don't know what they're going through. Hmm. I don't know what's happening in their life right now. I don't know if I can be the help like you're talking about. I don't know if there's something that I can offer that may be of assistance, either just listening or like tangible, like, no, here's something that we can help you with. But you don't know, or I didn't know because I don't work at it. Right. And so that's not their problem. That's my problem. And if someone did call you and go, hey, man, times are terrible. Can you, can you help me out? You know, it may put that conversation in a different light, but I would never say no. Yeah. I'm always going to be there to help. Right. But do any, do any of my friends or family think that they can come to me for reassurance or assistance hmm. for anything? I don't know. I'm like, ooh, that kind of makes me feel some kind of way. Yeah. Huh. I mean, th that is one thing, uh, um, one of the many, many things about Jenny that I am constantly impressed by and kind of strive for is that people will get in touch with her constantly when they have a need, whether it's just like they need to talk about something or they need money or they need something. I don't know. She... She makes herself of service to people. Yep. And Tiffany the same way. It yeah. is, it's inspiring and it also makes me feel a little bad about myself that mm. th I have created a situation where people should default to her instead of me. Like hmm. if we walk into a group together, I don't walk in confidently. I will usually let her go in first and be my buffer between the people. Hmm. Because I will awkwardly, awkwardly kind of stand around until I, I mean, I don't know. I'm just awkwardly going to stand there yeah. until I find something to do. But she doesn't. She jumps right in with anybody that she knows. And if she doesn't know them, she takes a genuine interest in getting to know them. And not for a personal gain. Right. Where I go like, I bet that guy likes the same stuff I do. So he can be my friend because he meets these criteria that I've set for myself. And if you don't, like, well, I'm sure you're a decent human being on some level, but I just, eh, I ain't got time for that because you don't meet the things that I expect someone to meet. I do the same thing. I wonder why we do that. I don't know, but it, every person on this planet has value. Absolutely. And when I think about it in those contexts, like when I break it down like that, it makes me feel bad as a, like a father. Like, am I setting the example that People just because they are people on this planet, like, like that's, that's enough. That's enough. Yes. Right? Yeah. Like it's not that mm. you meet my criteria for a decent person or someone that should hang around me. Just because my life is different than yours, my life is not better or worse. Yeah. You are a human being, and just because you don't like the same stuff I do, or you, I don't know, live a different life than I do, it doesn't mean you are valued less. Hmm. And am I putting my interaction with people? Like, are my kids seeing it? Like, oh well. Dad doesn't want to hang out with that person. It's probably because of this, this, and this. Right. Like, well, no, I just don't want to hang out with that person for reasons that are my own, not because they are any less of a person or have any less value innately. Right. Hmm. I don't know if I'm making that yeah, point. Yeah, you are. And that makes a lot of sense. And it, that's one of those things that may not even be obvious, but the kids may pick it up. And just seeing who you choose to engage with. Now, now that's not to say that you have to engage or should engage with everybody that you run into. <clears throat> I mean, like you can't be all things to all people. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have to try to stack your life with a thousand top tier people. But giving, mm, giving somebody like the benefit of the doubt, I think counts for a lot. 
giving somebody the chance to have a relationship counts for a lot, whether it ends up getting to that or not, you know? Um, I mean, our kids, I don't know. I, I've found that my kids are the best and worst, worst parts of me. And that that's maybe partially genetic and maybe it's partially just learned behavior from seeing me do things. And so I have to be really careful about the parts of me that I don't want them to inherit and to realize that it's maybe not so overt as like, you're going to say the words that you hear me say. They're also going to react the way they see me react. They're also going to care about the things that they see me care about. And so sometimes that means like just being aware of, I don't know, the stuff that you don't care about. You know what I mean? Like it, it, mm -hmm. not like, oh, I can't even think of a good example, but a thing that I'm well, not really interested in, not in a bad way, I don't hate it, but I don't really care about it. Yeah. That shows them that that thing is not important enough for me to care about. Some things are not. Football, <laughs> sorry football fans. It's not important enough for me to care about. And I don't care if my kids pick that up because I don't think it's terribly important. I think it's a great hobby or whatever. But for me to write off a certain type of person or a certain situation or make an assumption about uh, I don't know, the authenticity of someone's need mm. is a big that's one. A, that's a deep one. Because we will, there's a, a bunch of homeless people, not a bunch, there are quite a few homeless people around here who panhandle and they have spots around town <clears throat> and they camp out and they ask for stuff. And through my life, I've gone through several different versions of like, well, I should help these people because that's what we're supposed to do. Hands down, that's it. And then there's like the pompous, like, well, they should, you know, that's not going to help them get out of the position they're in. And then there's the like, who cares? You've been given a lot. Give it away. None of your stuff is yours. And, and so like, you know, I've, as my maturity has changed, I've gone back and forth through this. So our kids... Uh, regardless of your like what you're thinking about when you run into that situation, even if it is like uh, that person, I can see that that person is a meth user. And if I give them money, you know, f physically, I can see that that's them. If I give them money, it's going towards meth. If that's all in your head, but your kids see there's a homeless person that my dad did not help, mm. that tells them something. Or a, just a person in need that my dad ignored. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so my point of all this convoluted thing is that a lot of times the things we don't do or the things that we write off for whatever reason, valid or otherwise, <clears throat> our kids do see it and they may internalize it differently than we meant it. So with the people that we come in contact with for potential friendships or relationships or whatever, I think we do need to be really careful about if we don't engage with those people, maybe making it obvious to our kids as to why we didn't. Hmm. That person is really not nice. Yeah. And I don't want our family to be a, you know, to engage with someone. We don't want to pick up that type of behavior. Or, uh, you know, we just didn't have anything in common. They're perfectly fine, but we're just not going to be friends because, like, we don't have anything in common. But yeah. being more external about that stuff. Does that make any sense? Yeah. I don't know. That was a long way around. Well, no, I... <clears throat> well, you talked about whether it's inherent or, like, a learned characteristic. Uh, we took the kids to, uh, there was like a like a church function. You talked about RAs. They have a thing now called Awanas, where mm -hmm. it's just like a Sunday school type thing. And now all three of our kids are old enough to go do it. Deacon did it when he was in Georgia. Absolutely loved it. Um, so there is a, a place here that does it. 
So we took the kids, and Deacon was really apprehensive of doing it. <laughs> I remember you saying this, yeah. And I was like, well, out of anybody, I'm like, you you know what to expect. Like, you're you're good at you know interacting under these things. This is not new. It may be a new environment, but the thing that you're going to do is not unfamiliar. I'm going to do a bag dump. Hold that thought. Here we go. <laughs> Last bag of the ghost. All right, go ahead. And sorry, two more I was bags. Like, <laughs> and he's like me. He's a little socially like stunted. He's very reserved until you know he's a price man. Like he's gotta you gotta get over that potential energy to finally get moving. <laughs> and so I'm like, there could be a kid in there that you could be best friends with. You don't know. He's like, I have enough friends. I don't want to make any more friends. Mm. I'm like, well. Come on, that's not really fair. I'm like, someone in there could love Pokemon and Beyblades and all that stuff. He's like, well, well, I mean, I have enough people that like those things. I don't need to meet anybody else. I was like, man, you are me. <laughs> and with me trying to coerce him into doing something that I know could be beneficial for him, I'm like, man, the spotlight is on me right now. Yeah. Like, I am talking to myself. Right. And so with that, I'm like... There's no one in, in this community that I have actively, like, shied away from. Um, it's just being less active. And so I went, well, maybe you should be a little more active in going out to meet people or engage and, and be plugged in in different things. But it was, it was so strange. And then Tiffany was like, is he okay? I'm like, he's fine because he's him. And these are the ways that we feel because he's me. <laughs> and I'm trying to be the voice of reason, even though I wouldn't listen. I would oh, be yeah. very apprehensive to listen to me yeah. in that situation. And we came back and he had a great time. He was like, Dad, I met this awesome kid named so-and-so and he has a How to Train Your Dragon book. And I'm like, so you met a friend? And he gave me this look. He was like, oh, Yes. I'm like, oh, I thought you didn't want to have any more friends. You were, your friend maxed out. He's like, okay, stop it. I'm like, no, 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 no. Go, go tell that kid you can't be his friend because you have enough. He was like, stop it, dad. I'm like, okay. Just making sure that you know the words that you said. <laughs> and it's those like one finger pointed at somebody with the four fingers pointed back at you kind of mm -hmm. weird thing. Yeah. But it's, I don't know. It's not... It's not easy for me, and when I finally am able to let my guard down, it's really refreshing to be honest with people and to have that group of friends that you can be yourself and you can be completely honest. They can be there to listen. They're not going to be bothered or irritated by what you do, and if they are, they're going to keep it to themselves and they're going to offer ways to try to make you feel better, hmm. and it's not a, a <clears throat> fake situation. Yeah. And I think it's really strange now as adults that we could make either probably the beginnings, if not, you know, grow those kind of relationships on the internet. <laughs> it's pretty wild. Because if Deacon were to try to tell me that, like, hey, Dad, I met this friend and I want to talk to him on the internet, I'd be like, whoa, whoa. No, no, no. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. You could be getting catfished. It could be something like you know, pedophile or whatever. But it's like the Swains, like Wes is... One of my best friends. And I met Wes on the internet in my 30s. Yeah. Like, that's... I, you, that, you and I met on yeah, the internet. Yeah, right? Like, that's weird. Yeah. But it it's, takes down some of the barriers. I already know the stuff that you like. I know the stuff that he likes. The people that we know online, 
you can kind of get that awkwardness out of the way where you're not standing there with a solo cup going like, hey, so what do you do? <laughs> well, I think that's an interesting point, too, because I think a lot of the Internet uh, friendships, especially in the kind of maker community where we live mostly, um, you know, they, they start with a pretty big commonality. Mm-hmm. And so... I'm going to make noise. I'm sorry. Let's go for it. Um, I mean, they work often because regardless, like we don't even get to the stuff that's different for a while. We spend a lot of the initial conversations and the online talk and the hangouts and being in the same places around the commonalities. Maybe mm-hmm. that's a big thing to point out is that um, a lot of times, you know, you're in situations where the differences are magnified. I think mm. in the maker community, a lot of times the similarities are magnified, and that's the thing that you connect on. And then the other stuff is like, well, we'll figure that out or ignore it or whatever. It doesn't uh-huh. make a difference, you know, like we have this much in common. Because, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty wild how many friendships I see. I mean, some of which I'm in, but a lot of which I just observe uh, that are purely based around or started from YouTube or podcasts or you know, Instagram or whatever, just like, yeah, right. It's, it's wild. And those don't just necessarily stay digital, which is a big thing. And I think that's when they kind of solidify into something more real is when, yeah. you know, you use that as a jumping off point and then you end up at a conference together or you end up, you know, traveling through and you stop to see somebody or whatever. I mean, the fact that Winston was here last night, mm-hmm. he's a person I've never really spent a lot of time with, but I, I can tell enough about who he is from what he does online. And when he said he was driving through, I quickly offered, yeah, come stay with us. We have a guest room. We'd love to have you. You know, I wouldn't randomly find a person on the internet that I didn't have any interaction with and ask him to stay. But I think that leads to a strong point though, is it your, the friends, like the friends that you have <clears throat> there, there's a level of honesty and being genuine Mm -hmm. that if you expect to make or if i expect to make those real friendships like you have to be willing to open yourself up and be vulnerable right because that's how you i mean that's that's the good stuff that's the piece you really know about somebody and it's not just the pictures that you put on instagram or on youtube or whatever like the fluff like when you really get into the the heart of that person and okay, so me coming to to live and to work here, like, yeah, people can know you from the internet. They can get a pretty good feel about you know who you are, your work ethic, and things like that. But not only did I believe in like I like to make stuff, like you're a genuine person, and the people that we become real friends with on the internet are real genuine people. We share a lot of the same beliefs, mm-hmm. share a lot of the same hobbies. Um, like if we go to shows or events, like little clicks form, mm-hmm. because you have that commonality of like making things that gets us in the room. Yeah, and then everybody's yeah. happy, and then eventually all the little organisms start to group yeah. in like mind. And it, you wouldn't have been able to get to that point unless you were genuine, and if you actually understood somebody's like mind. And that's the part that takes me a really long time to do, to put my guard down, to go like, I'm going to be true and really honest and not just this front. Hmm. Well, I mean, the front, uh, hmm. 
I don't want to put words in your mouth. Um, I think there's a, it's important to make a distinction between putting on a front, putting up a false facade, and uh, putting up a wall. You can put up you can put up like a when you meet somebody for the first time or you know you're not sure how deep your relationship will go or you're trying to feel somebody out you can put up a fake thing. It's like, "Hey bro, this is me, bro. Check me out, bro." <laughs> yeah, laugh at everything and all that. Or you can just put up a wall that doesn't let people in until you feel safe enough. And one of those maybe they're both defense mechanisms, but one of them is ill-intentioned and one of them is protection, I think. Um I don't know if that's important or not, but when as you were saying that, I, I think false front may be the wrong term for the way that you describe yourself. Um, because I don't think you're false, I think you're reserved and maybe guarded. You know? Yep. And there's a difference there. This seems wrong. This piece. Oh, I'm confused. Wrong. Wait, these are really connecting in a strange way. Look at this. That piece is sitting at a weird angle, to a compound angle. Uh-huh. Well, that's because that wing is, is downsloped like that. I wonder how it's going to stay it, rigid. Or it's how on it... a piece that rolls this way, and it oh, bends this way. And there's one on both sides, so they go away from each other. Ooh, look at that. Anyway. Um, yeah, so if, if you haven't heard the no, instru- uh, no <laughs> dumb questions about friendship... You should definitely listen to it because they make some really good points. There was one distinction in that podcast that I thought was extremely poignant. And uh, if we're going to talk about tiers being like the tier one and best friends and things like that, if, if there is another tier, it mentioned people that you're comfortable farting in front of. <laughs> yep. How many people roughly are on that list for you? Mm. I mean, okay, well, there's a difference between which they totally should have named that episode The Fart Barrier. But there's a difference between me being comfortable with people farting in front of me and me farting in front of people. Does that make sense? Go on. Uh, I don't know why that is. Is that just your good nature? You don't want to be rude? Yeah, I think it might be. I think it's just like a... We try so hard to teach the kids, like... There are certain times to do things and certain times to not do things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I've just got it in my my person to try to be considerate. Your mama raised you better than that? I guess so. <laughs> now, my wife, all bets are off. She's probably the only person I can actively think of that it would fall into that category. They would just openly fart in front of people? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's why she's so liked in the world. (laughs) (laughs) That could be it. How many people fall into that for you? Very few. I think for the same reasons. Hmm. Um, We had, I'm going (laughs) to, we had the Swains over and we were like sitting around playing board games at night after dinner. (laughs) You sure you want to tell us? Yeah. All right. And you know how... At night, sometimes you're like, or if you're in a, a small, quiet group, somebody's stomach is going to be like, <laughs> like make that gross, yeah. weird noise, which everybody assumes like, Ew, like you got to poop or you got to whatever. And your stomach just like, it's just air passing through your intestines. But then there's that one kind of noise that's like, ooh, that person's got a fart. <laughs> like that sound is knocking at the door. And 
my stomach did it, and I'm like, hmm, well, maybe I'll have to get up and excuse myself quietly. And then Wes's wife's stomach did it, and I'm like, this is my chance. And I'm like, don't act like you don't have to fart. And it broke down, and everybody started laughing. And then I, I still don't think, even with the open admission that we did fart in front of each other. But, yeah, there is some, like, good-natured yeah. manners, sensibility that kind of prevent you from doing that. But I think there's a group of people that just fall into a category of, like, I would not be red-faced, horribly embarrassed if it didn't oh, happen. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that I would okay. actively do it. Like, right. You can I'm laugh it off. fart in front of you. Yeah. This is going to push you're, us to the next you're level. You're welcome. <laughs> you don't realize what this means for us. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. My wife farted in front of, is she burped or she farted in front of my dad? Do you think she's going to be happy with you talking about this? (laughs) She says I should talk about her more. Oh, well, there you go. She asked for it. But when we were first dating, like the first time she met my parents, we went out on a boat that we rented out in the Gulf of Mexico, and she either burped or farted right in front of my dad. And he just looked at her, and he was like, well, all right. He's like, I approve of this one. Uh, She's all right. She's a keeper. That's funny. (laughs) Okay. But, you know, she's amazing like that. And she can just burp and fart in front of whoever she wants to and then be lifelong friends and sign blood oaths. (laughs) Where I jump into the water like I fell overboard and fart quietly and then jump back on. (laughs) Oops, I dropped my hat in the water. Hold on, I'll be right back. Bubbles, 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 bubbles. All right, I kind of want to finish this, but we're like almost an hour in. I actually thought of a movie. Do you have anything else on this? I don't want to cut us off. Nope, I don't. I'm going to be better. I called, which sounds really small, but I called two people on my mental list, which for me is a feat, which I know for many other people is lazy. But they were two people that I really cared about, and I learned more about them in that conversation and with more to come. Hmm. That's awesome. So huzzah. Yeah, that's a good thing. I need to, I will put that on my list for this week to call my friend that I've been thinking about. Maybe tonight. That would be good. Um, I thought about a movie I wanted to talk about. Okay. <clears throat> Have you ever seen Airborne? Airborne. Yes, I found another one. Not Airbud? No, Airborne. I don't know. Okay, so. Got my memory. I was a, I don't know. I was early high school, maybe junior high. And this movie called Airborne came out. Did you ever watch like any of the skateboard BMX movies that came out in the 80s? Rad, Gleaming the Cube, stuff like that? Nope. Ugh. You're killing me. Why? What do you mean, why? Like BMX was rad in the 80s. That was like the thing. Everybody wanted to, and then all the skaters. Yeah. Okay, I'm yeah. older than you. Anyway. Well, a little bit. But, um, yeah. So there was a movie. You should totally watch Rad. It's pretty awful, but it's rad. <clears throat> BMX movie. Uh, Gleaming the Cube has Christian Slater in it. It's not so good, but it's still just kind of a funny 80s skateboard mm-hmm. movie. It's not supposed to be funny, but it's funny. So past that into maybe the late 80s, early 90s. I don't remember when it came out. There was a rollerblade movie. It was called Airborne. And it now, was, I was a big rollerblader. Okay, me too. Okay. So, good. Um, it was about this kid who had super floppy hair, mm-hmm. from, and he was from California. And I, can, I don't know the of guy's course. name. I don't know if he ever did anything else, but I can still picture this guy. I watched that movie so many times. And he was like, 
you know, got kicked out of his school in California or what, I don't know, had to move or something. Went to Cincinnati. It's the whole movie. Where the squares live. Going from the sunny California beaches Mm -hmm. to cold, snowy Cincinnati. And um, he had to stay with his cousin, maybe? I don't remember. And so, like, you know, he went from, like, the the typical California thing to a bunch of flannel-wearing... Uh, very blue collar families, um, you know, guys who, kids who worked in factories after high school and stuff like that. I don't remember all the storyline. He was totally out of place. Yep. Right. And they played ice hockey there. And the only thing he had in common was that he rollerbladed, but not like anybody else. Hey, he would do tricks what? and, you know, flop his hair while he skated no and way. stuff like that. Anyway, so the, the whole movie is about him being bullied and being like the outcast, but then. There's a, a race down, get this, Devil's Backbone nice. at the end, where the two, you know, the preps and the other kids, I don't know Johnny, what they were called. Johnny, leave him alone. <laughs> yeah, it was very, very much Karate Kid <laughs> with, with rollerblades. Um, I bet that's how they pitched it, too. It may have been, honestly. It was pretty, pretty blatant. <laughs> but anyway, so there's this race at the end, and he joins his cousin's team or whatever to get down. The first one down at the bottom, and, you know... Everybody's, it's this crazy thing to skate. Like you would never skate it. And it's a pretty bad movie. Definitely is not like something I would recommend. Like you're not going to enjoy it. But I watched it a million times because I was a rollerblader. And one of the funniest things about it is that his cousin Mm -hmm. is Seth Green as like a 15-year-old kid. He's got red, long red hair down to his shoulders, wears like a leather jacket. He's super small and skinny. And... Totally like the nerd yep. kid in the group, but he thinks he's really cool. Of course. There's a whole section uh, with the Right Said Fred song in the background where oh, he dresses up in different costumes. Sexy? Yeah. It's it's pretty awful. Yeah. I don't know. We were somewhere the other day, and I thought about that, and I wrote it down because I wasn't sure if you'd ever seen it or not. Okay. Well, if we're going to throw back to famous people in their really obscure younger movies, mm. movie that I'm almost positive you haven't seen called Voyage of the Mimi. Doesn't sound familiar. Good. Because I saw it on Laserdisc Ooh. at school. Whoa. And it would, it starred... Voyage of the Mimi. Uh, oh, is this the Ben Affleck one? Ben Affleck Okay, you did movie. tell me about this at one point. But ben I don't Affleck's very first movie was an educational film about <laughs> boat survival <laughs> called Voyage of the Mimi. Voyage of the Mimi. And it was about these group of kids and some chaperones that were on this boat. Terrible things happen. They have they end up on like a, a deserted island and they have to live and they make a solar still and a bunch of things like Ooh. yeah and it got really deep like that. And I remember loving this movie because I'm all about kind of survivaly stuff. That's why I did professionally. And it's Sur- always been survivaly stuff. Is interesting. That what they call it? Yeah, like how to to live by yourself. I think is neat, which is I think goes deeper into this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but I always thought it was really cool. That's the title right there. Yeah. How to live by yourself. And. We watched it on Laserdisc, and I was like, what is that thing? And she had to wear these special gloves and, like, put it in the Laserdisc player. Mm. And she used the remote, and she was like, we got to skip to. And she had the back of the huge box that it was on to try to find, you know, the, yeah, the chapter. chapters that we were on. And she was like, skip right to it. And everybody was like, what? <laughs> How did you do that? Like, you don't have to fast forward it? And she's like, nope, you don't even have to rewind it. We're like, what <laughs> is happening right now? That's funny. Voyage. I don't even know if you can find that anymore. I guarantee you it's on YouTube. I guarantee it. 
Voyage of the Mimi. And I didn't know it was Ben Affleck. Like, I didn't know who Ben Affleck was. How old? Was he like a young He was like 11. Oh, wow. He was young. He was one of the main characters. It was, um, what's his name from the Goonies type age? Like, if he could be transplanted from... Brolin? Brian Austin. Oh. Or Sean Austin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so if you were to take, like, Sean Austin's type character, like, he's the leader, even though he's one of the youngest ones, but Mm -hmm. he's got the guts, like... That that was the the uh, character that we're dealing with here in Voyage of the Mimi. Sweet. Yeah. Super obscure. Well, I've never seen it, and I probably won't watch it. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> well, I'm not going to finish this, because we're, we're pretty long, and I've still got quite a bit left. So I might pause it here. Mm-hmm. You got anything else? No. But thank you to Matt and Dustin. Yes. Uh, if you guys are watching, you made 13.1 miles. Um, <laughs> more difficult on my brain. As difficult on my brain as it was on my muscles. So, weird. Thank you for that. Hmm. It did take my mind off the fact that it was sucking by feeling remorseful. <laughs> I, I stopped feeling bad in one way to was, feel bad in a different way. It was way. the major pain type of first aid. Because if your leg hurts, then you snap your finger, and then you just think about your finger. Major pain. That's a good movie. Let me dig further into my repertoire. All right, cool. Uh, where can people find you? On Instagram, at the PI Workshop. The PI Workshop. Oh, I was yep. looking for this guy. Uh, both of us at I Like to Make Stuff. If you like the show, um, we do have a Patreon page if you want to help us out. Or, you know, just share it around with people. That's cool, too. Um, we have fun. Anything else? No, man. Cool. Catch you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.